Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. How are you guys? Welcome to church tonight. So glad that you're here with us. A year, right? A year of doing Wednesday church. It's so awesome. Yeah. You guys are so great. So thanks for sticking this out. Thanks for being a part of this. Uh, we, uh, we really called this a church plant. We really saw this as an opportunity to plant a whole nother church on a Wednesday night, uh, you know, and, and it really has become that. I love talking to many of you who, uh, you know, are working on the weekends and can't come to church on the weekends, uh, many of you who maybe are just gone or whatever it may be and aren't able to come, but you have made Wednesday Church your home. Thank you so much uh, for being part of this, and thank you for bringing your friends and for inviting people to be a part of this. I think that uh, it's really become a community, hasn't it? I mean, you add some pulled pork and everything becomes a community. Community. But, you know, this has really grown to be a family, and I really love Wednesday night church. It's just a lot of energy here, excitement. I think you guys are just a little more awake some, sometimes. You know, it's in the evening, and uh, I don't know, like church just feels right at night, I, I'll tell you. It just feels right later on here. So thank you for being a part of this, and uh, before we get going too far, let's welcome all of our friends online. Can we thank them for being with us tonight as well? So we are in a series, we are in the second week of In Alaska as in Heaven. We kicked off last week uh, talking about what it looks like to seek the kingdom of God first. Uh, and we, we, we threw out a lot of theology, and you guys were so gracious to stick with me. I know there's a lot that I threw at you, because when we talk about heaven, we talk about a lot of different things. A lot of different perceptions come out when we talk about heaven. Uh, I don't know what's shaped your definition of heaven. Maybe it's, uh, you know, movies. Maybe it's like, remember Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? You know, heaven and hell. Anyway, things were, I don't know what shaped your picture of heaven, um, but a lot of times I think we lose track of what it actually is and how beautiful it's going to be and what it's all about. And I didn't have this in my notes, but just as I was getting ready to come up here, I felt like I wanted to share um, this passage from Revelation 21 because I, I feel like this paints a picture of what we spoke on last week. And if you have a Bible, you can flip to it with me. If not, don't worry about it. But these are just the first four verses of Revelation chapter 21. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is where? It's with man. It's with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every what? Every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's something to look forward to, isn't it? How do you guys, I mean, I love that passage because it paints a picture of what's to come. And a lot of people don't think too much about eternity. They don't think too much about what's coming in the future. They think a lot about today, right? Because right here is where my bills are. Right here is where my problems are. Right here is where my dreams are. And so we think in terms of what's right here in front of our faces instead of thinking about what is eternity looking like. And it's important to think about eternity because I don't know that we can get to where we're going unless we know where we're going. Like, how are we going to know how to get there if we don't know what's coming, if we don't know what it looks like? 
And so it's an interesting reality that the people who sort of go through life sort of waiting for heaven to one day come to them or to one day, you know, find themselves in heaven are probably the people that are going to miss it. But the people that today find themselves in the reality of Christ's grace and then they find themselves seeking to, to show heaven and, and show grace to the people around them, those are the people that I think one day will spend eternity with God. And he will be their God, and he, they will be his people. I think those are the people that truly get what this is all about, that heaven isn't this thing we hope for someday. It is, we look forward to it, but it's always something, also something we can experience here today which is a huge shift for a lot of people, where people maybe have come from church backgrounds and, and they see church as sort of this, you know, it's been called like a holy huddle, right? A holy, we come together and, and uh, we just sort of buckle down and we circle up, you know, like a bunch of buffalo afraid, you know, we just kind of, we circle up and we just try to protect ourselves from the storms of the world and we hide out together until one day we go to heaven when the reality is it's really so much more about God sending his son Jesus who invades this dark world with, with piercing light. And he shows us grace that we've never seen before. And he changes us in such a way that he actually imprints heaven into our hearts. And because heaven is in our hearts, it flows from our fingertips. And as we said last week, we are his ambassadors. Today, we're citizens of heaven, you know? And so that means, like, you don't have to wait until you're dead to thrive, you don't have to wait until you go to heaven to experience joy and peace and healing. He can be your healer today. He can be your joy today. He can be your peace today. And that's not a pipe dream. That's reality. And I want you to experience that. And so that's the vision behind this series. It's not simply about something to come, but something that we want to see in fullness here in Alaska. I want to see some more heaven in Eagle River. And I think that it can happen as we, the church, and as the churches in our community start to embrace the reality that heaven has come. When Jesus came, a little bit of heaven came to earth, and he came to usher in this new reality. And if you're like, what is the kingdom of heaven? We said this last week. The kingdom of heaven is when heavenly realities invade our earthly existence, when little moments of heaven happen, and you have experienced this in your life. Maybe you've given a little bit of heaven as you've forgiven your, your friend or your husband or as you've shown love and grace to somebody that, that didn't even know they, they, they needed it or maybe didn't deserve it. These are little moments of heaven here on earth. And so this is our goal as a church, and, and, and this is week two. We're going to talk about what Jesus did as he came to earth. He, he moved in. Last week we talked, about, we talked about coming home and welcome home, and he also moved in and made his home and then moved out into the neighborhoods. John 1, verse 14, says this, The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. The Word became flesh and blood. God himself. He became flesh and blood. He, he, he took on the skin of humanity, as we've said before, and he moved into the neighborhoods. Now, I live in a neighborhood. I've got a lot of people that I live around, and our, our family, we love going on walks and, and uh, making our way around the neighborhood, and we kind of have the same route that we go on all the time, and the kids get on their bikes, and we, we walk around, and we get to meet people occasionally, but there's a couple of houses on our route, on the route that we make, that like, it's almost like nobody lives there, but there's never a for sale sign out front. Have you guys got like people in your neighborhood like that? You're like, who lives there? Is there anybody in that house? And the other day, 
day we were coming around the corner and there was somebody mowing the lawn of this house. I swear to you, it's been like six years. I've never seen a soul at this house. And he's out there mowing his lawn and I'm walking by. I'm just like trying to like see his face and figure out who is this like mystery man that lives in this home. I have never seen him out front. He kind of does the neighbor wave and we do the neighbor wave and I'm thinking, do I need to go like ask that, like do we need to break you out of here, dude? Is somebody holding you in the basement? Like what's wrong? You know, I'm not sure what to do. Do I introduce myself? I mean, it's just kind of, it's kind of strange, right? But there's a difference, isn't there, between moving into a neighborhood and actually uh, living in a neighborhood. You, you can live in a neighborhood and you can be around people and we live around people all the time. But when you fully move in and embrace that neighborhood, that's a different type of experience. That's actually becoming a neighbor, isn't it? I mean, you have people that you live around, but then when I ask you, hey, who's your neighbor? You think of certain people, right? Oh, I think of Bill across the street, right? Borrowed a chainsaw from him the other day. Or I think of this neighbor over here that I've met. I helped him mow his lawn or, or shovel his driveway. I think of the neighbors or the people, the community that we've built. And every year we put on a block party. We do block parties as a church. And so every year we love to do that because we meet new neighbors. New people have moved in. Uh, other people have moved out. Maybe, maybe the, the guy with the, the lawnmower finally ventures out of his house and comes down the street. And, and what was sort of just you know, a group of houses that are around each other becomes a community. And that's what happens when you move into a neighborhood. Some of you are great at this. Like when you move into a new place, you don't wait for somebody else to bring you cookies. You bake like 18 batches of cookies and you just go out into your neighbors. And you, and you meet them and you say, hey, we're the, the Jacksons or we're the Smiths and, and we're new to the neighborhood because you want a community. You want to move in. And Jesus, he does this. He moves into our neighborhood. He comes from heaven. And I, and I was considering this week as I was praying about this, like that, that took a lot for Jesus to do this. Like, it would be like you moving into the worst neighborhood in the world. I don't know what kind of neighborhood you live in, but uh, most of us live in fairly decent, normal, suburban neighborhoods. Like, imagine Jesus living with, uh, in, in heaven as, as the Trinity, God himself, the, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, living in perfect, uh, a perfect harmony, perfect joy. Like, it's just a, a beautiful place, like the best community you could ever imagine living in. And then he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to move to earth right? Like this is like moving to the wrong side of the tracks. This is moving into the wrong neighborhood, that neighborhood that nobody wants to live in. Like housing market is crashing. People are moving out. You know, it's just a bad place for everybody. You know where? Let's buy a house there. That's what Jesus does. When he comes to earth, he moves into our neighborhood. He's God in the flesh. And there's a theological term that I want you to learn today, and it's the term incarnation. The incarnation of God. Jesus is called the incarnation of God. It's a term that comes out a lot of times around Christmas, right? Because Christmas is a celebration of the birth of Jesus when he came to earth. And so incarnation is simply God himself putting on the flesh of humanity, coming down into our mess and being part of our world. That's what Jesus does for us. What did Jesus have to do to incarnate? What did he have to do to be part of our world? I was thinking about it. He had to totally forsake comfort, didn't he? Right? Born in a barn, born on some hay, not the best living experience, right? I mean, it, this, was not, this was not the Hilton that he was born into. Born into a terrible place, a dirty place. So he had to forsake his comfort. 
He had to give of himself, like let go of, because God, it says in the Bible that in Philippians that he actually poured out and became a man. He took, took on the, the form of a man, let go of his godship and became a man. The, the, the theological term is kenosis, which is a great fun word, right? Go home and talk about kenosis. It's the, the pouring out of himself and, and, and becoming man in the world. He, he had unconditional love. I, I think about that. This deep compassion for the world. It would take a lot to move to the wrong side of the tracks, right? You'd have to really love the people that lived there to move into that neighborhood where the housing market's falling apart, where your family or you are going to be unsafe, you know, where, where I don't know what it's going to be like to live in this place. Unconditional love. But the cool thing is Jesus also had authority, didn't he? Like he, he came to earth and he had this, this authority of his father given to him. And, and, and Jesus even says it in Matthew 28. talks about how all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he says, therefore, to you, go. Go make disciples. Like I'm going to give you the authority that God gave me. So Jesus himself is the authority of God. In John 1:14, it says this, full of grace and truth, Jesus came to us. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. Jesus is full of grace, full of truth, came to earth, and he gave us grace. And we are his ambassadors. We are his people. And, and that's, that's our job, is to impart grace on the world. And so the question for you today, like the, the theme today is what does it look like to move into the neighborhood? And I want to ask you, like, have you moved in or are you just living in Eagle River or in Chugiak or in Anchorage or in Palmer or Wasilla? I, where are you actually moved into and have you fully moved in? Because as we, as we said last week, it's really easy to rent your space in this world, isn't it? It's really easy to kind of just be here for a time, sort of temporary and live your entire life temporarily. And I, I get it, like I am the Walmart king. I buy everything cheap and throw it away later. And so everything is disposable. But a lot of times I miss out on a lot without actually investing myself into things. And as believers in Jesus, as people who are actually his hands and feet to the world, we should live incarnational lives. He actually gives us the authority to go and live like Jesus did in dark circumstances. He gives us the power that we need. Like we, Jesus said this, all of the things that I have done, you will do greater things than me, church. Greater things. Can you imagine? Greater things than Jesus did. You know, walking on water, healing the blind, giving food to thousands of people from just a little bit of food. He says, you know what you're going to do, church? I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. God himself is going to reside in you, and as you go into the neighborhoods, we will see miracles happen, lives transformed, and you yourself will be changed from the inside out. Okay, that's a great story. That's really hard to do, right? It's a really hard thing to do, and if you're anything like me, when I see a fire, I don't necessarily run into it, I run away from it, right? When I see a mess, I don't always lean in, I tend to lean away. I, I was... Uh, <laughs> I just, I always confess things up here. So um, I, I was leaving Lowe's in Anchorage. Uh, it was last year sometime. And I was doing some work on the house. And so I needed to buy some plywood. 
And so I go into Lowe's, and, and, and as I shared last week, I've got a bad habit of not preparing for what I'm going to buy. I just kind of go in and maybe come up with some kind of a plan to buy something. And so I'm shopping through Lowe's, you know. I, I don't think I had a cart, so I don't know why I'm doing this. But <laughs> walking through Lowe's, uh, and, and all of a sudden I see this, this big sheet of plywood, and I'm like, oh, I need that for, I think I was building some shelving at home or something. And, and I remember I had my little GMC Jimmy, my little, my little uh, SUV, and I'm thinking, how am I going to fit a 4x8 piece of, piece of plywood in the back of my Jimmy? But just in my mind, I'm like, eh, I'll figure it out, right? I, I'll figure it out one way or another. So I buy this big sheet of plywood. I roll it out on, you know, the big things that they have, uh, the, the big roller things they have. I don't know what they're called, carts. And uh, anyway, I get it out to the parking lot, and I'm looking at my Jimmy, and I'm like, maybe at like a 45-degree angle. Like it, but no way, like there is no way this thing is fitting in there. And then I spot my little rack on the top, right? These, you know the little racks on the cars that are kind of made to do nothing? I'm not sure why they're there. They're not good for anything. But I just got these two little racks on the top, and I'm like, well, I'm going I'm to put it on there. So I lay the plywood on there, and I go inside. I'm like, anybody have any, like, like uh, you know, straps or something I can borrow, or I don't want to spend money? And the guy's like, oh, I got some baling twine, right? Balentine. I'm like, well, Balentine, right, guys? It fixes everything. So you got Balentine and duct tape. So I get some Balentine. I just wrap that piece of plywood up like crazy, you know? And I, and I get it all covered. I'm like, meh, pretty pleased with myself, right? I've made a plan. I can get home. I'll be careful. I'll be careful. And so, so I get out on the Muldoon. I get out on the highway, and I'm doing like 40 miles an hour, like just barely. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, but Things feel good, right? I don't know, no problems. You know, traffic's kind of running by me. I'm thinking, I'm a hazard at this point. I better speed things up. So I get up to, you know, 50 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour. I just hit 65, and I hear boom. And I'm like, what was that? And I look in my mirror, and I see this piece of flywood, plywood, flywood, that's what I'll call it, this piece of flying plywood in the air, and it's just like coasting through the air. And it lands perfectly vertical in the middle of the highway. And I'm looking at it in my mirror, and all I can see behind this plywood is a school bus. I see the mirrors hanging on each side of this plywood. And he just, bam, runs right into the plywood. And it splinters everywhere. And the buses, the wheels are going everywhere. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And he, he starts pulling off. And I swear to you, I'm like, I'm not stopping. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to go and act like I didn't see a thing. I'm just gonna totally ignore this. And so for like this long, I, I was like a convict, right? Just for this moment, I'm like, I am not gonna stop. And then I was like, oh man, that's, I can't do that. And so I pull over onto the side, you know, and I start backing up and I'm thinking, are there like children who are impaled by wood? And like, I don't know what's going on. And, I mean, luckily, like, I, the, the guy gets out of the bus. It was a mechanic that was test driving the bus. And so, praise the Lord, it wasn't a bus full of children. It was, uh, j it was a mechanic and everything, you know, it was, a, it was like a bent mirror and, like, part of the fender was torn off. And, I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was an insurance nightmare, but it, it could have been so much worse. And so, you know, I, I kind of bit the bullet. And I said, here's my insurance card, right? And, you know, and, and I, I, you know, I owned up to it. But I'm telling you, that little moment, I'm like... I don't want any part of this, right? I just need to get away and, and just act like I didn't see what I just saw, right? 
And I just, I feel like, I feel like this is such a perfect description of how so much of us live, right? We, we, we see this world full of pain and full of suffering and full of problems. There's needs everywhere, you guys. I mean, just open your eyes for 10 seconds and you'll see needs in our neighborhood, right? We keep hearing about shootings in Anchorage, right? These, these shootings and violence that's going on, these are, these are deep-seated heart issues that come from, from other things. They're, they're symptoms of deep problems, you know? And so here we are, planted in Alaska. And so I'm going to draw again because I like to draw. So God has put us here. Uh, don't laugh too much again. I'm going to do my best to make my Alaska. That's not bad. I think I'm getting worse. I think I'm getting worse. You try to do it. All right, so here we are, ACF, in Alaska. So as we said last week, I'm just using the crown as a symbol of heaven on earth. God has, has sent his son Jesus to earth, into the mess, incarnation. God himself puts on the skin of humanity, comes to earth. And so because of Jesus, he sent us. We are his people, right? You are citizens of the kingdom of God. If you're a, a believer in Jesus, now you're part of that family. You're a citizen of this new thing. And although we look forward to one day that there'll be this new heaven and this new earth and everything's made right, here today and right now, we have an opportunity to show people heaven. Like, like we say, if we know where things are going, we can know how to get there. And, and, and it changes the way we live because there's some hope to be had. Because God's actually going to fix the mess that this world is in the middle of. And so our job today, it's not a hopeless job. It's not a pointless job. As we show love to people, we can actually change their lives through the gospel. And so here we are. We have a mission to spread the love of Jesus. And as we said last week, to amplify the grace of Jesus. Amplifying grace is what we do. Amp. Amplify grace. And so the, the first thing that we talk about a lot is that the first thing, before you ever amplify grace, what you need to do is experience grace. Is you need to experience it. And so for us, as a church, you're going to hear us talk a lot about what it means to, to live from our hearts and, and to actually live out the transformation that God has already done in us. And as we spoke a lot about in a few series ago, that, that, that who we are determines what we do. And we're not going to talk a whole lot about, hey, get your life together so that God will love you. It's God loves you and it should change your life. And, and every time you're in a place where you're like, my life's not changing, what you need to do is remember how much God loves you. What you need to do is remember how much God has transformed you, that heaven has literally come to earth. The old you is gone, the new you has come, and God has actually changed you, so your identity is totally different. So the first thing we need to do is experience grace. We know that we need to experience it, and I hope you've experienced it. I, hope, I heard some people last week as they left church say, you know what, it really felt like home. It did. Some people that were here were, were here for their first time. And they, they told me, they're like, hey, I don't know, like, this feels like home, and we're coming back, because there's something here that we want to be a part of. And so I hope when you walk into this place that you experience some of that grace. And I hope as you live your life, and I know you're gonna, not going to do it right every time, that you're doing it in such a way that you are a, a kingdom agent in your workplace. And everywhere you go, you're helping people to taste little bits of grace. So the first thing is, you just got to experience it. That, that's where it flows from, is, is experiencing grace. The next thing that we do is we express grace. You can't express it until you experience it, can you? 
Like, you can't really talk about Hawaii until you've been to Hawaii, right? Like, well, I've seen a picture somewhere. Um, you know, I was on the internet. I saw some YouTube videos of Hawaii. No, you don't know Hawaii until you have sat on that sand, right? You don't know Hawaii until you've gotten in that water, right? And you felt it, and it's like, oh, it's so good. And so those are the people that can really talk about it. And so until you experience grace, you can't really express the grace of Jesus, And so both of these things are so crucial, and I would say this, that the more that we experience it, the more that we'll express it. And in the middle where these two intertwine, we have what's called the kingdom of God growing. And this is something that I think is a loop in our lives. When you express the grace of Jesus, you're going to experience the grace of Jesus. When you experience the grace of Jesus, you're going to express the grace of Jesus. This is so important so, for us to understand because, again, I think a lot of people are trying to get their lives together. Uh, maybe you've got a history, like a religious background, and so even here today, you're struggling with trying to look a certain way, trying to be a certain way. Like if you get into your small group, your ACF group, uh, you're the kind of person that's like, I, I feel like I've got to have the right answers. I feel like I can't show too much of my mess. Again, like once you experience grace, you can just kind of be yourself, Right? You can be honest about who you are. You can say the wrong thing. And people are going to be like, that's wrong, bro. And we can figure it out. That's all right. It's okay to be wrong. And then you can express it. And this is what we're doing next week. Today is the last day to sign up for Impact Eagle River. So, or it's the last week to sign up for Impact Eagle River. And again, if you don't know what that is, we're going into our community. We are putting on the flesh of God, God, just like God put on flesh of us. We are being Christ to our city, and we're going to live incarnationally into Eagle River. And so people are going to see Jesus by the way that we love them next Sunday. And so remember, don't go to church on Wednesday, or nobody's going to be here. So you can do church alone. We're going to all come on Sunday morning. We're going to cancel our normal services, and we're going to go into our city and show the love of Jesus. And if you're here today and you're like, I'm not doing that. I got other stuff to do. I go to church on Wednesday, and, you know, it's like that's my, my day. And you're just kind of resisting that, and there's not a desire to be a part of that. I just want to ask you if you have experienced enough grace in your life. I really believe that, that the drive to go and live incarnationally comes from a life that's covered in the grace of Jesus. The more you know how forgiven you are, the more you know how loved you are, the more you're going to want to do. And I love the story of Jesus, how before he does any of his ministry, he's baptized and his father looks down on him and, and he says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm pleased with him. Had Jesus done any miracles yet? Nope. Had Jesus gone and healed the sick? Had he given food to the hungry? Had he done anything? No. He was his son and God was pleased with him. That's you today. You're his daughter. You're his son. And the more you know that, the more you're just like, I got to let this out somehow. And it may be through saying it. You might just tell somebody about Jesus. You might share with them what you do on Wednesday nights. You know, you don't just walk into that dark building with your hat down and act like, you know, no, hope nobody sees me. I'm actually going to go out and tell my friends, like, what, what, what I'm about. Like, what a big part of my life this is. There's nothing to hide. It's going to start to flow out in the way that you serve people. And, and it's going to cause you to want to be part of this, this movement of people who go out into their city and show the love of Christ. Because it's a cool thing. It's just, it's one of my favorite things we do every single year. So don't miss out on that. And when those things start multiplying, what we see is the kingdom of God growing. We see it growing. 
And we see it growing and growing. And we start to see the state of Alaska changed as people experience and express the grace of Jesus. And here at ACF, if you're like, what does this look like on, on like a week-to-week basis? There's a few things that we prioritize. And uh, the, the first is this, we gather. We gather every week. This, what you're doing right now, is, is really important. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about how we should not forsake the gathering as some have become accustomed to. But we should get together and spur each other on towards love, which is really cool. Like, it's almost like we kind of need cheerleaders. You need some cheerleaders in your life, right? You need people who are like, hey, you can do it, man. You can love that person that's just, you know, they're stealing your pen at work. You know, you can, you can love that boss that, you know, he just gave you a pay cut. You can do those things that are just hard to do. We need to spur each other on towards love. And I don't know about you, but I need to do that every week. Like, I need you guys. I need to be with you. And I look forward to Wednesday night when I can be with you and I can be encouraged by you. And so the gathering is so important. Uh, it's one of the first things that we do. The other thing that we do is we group. ACF groups are so key. If you're here today and you've got questions, maybe you're not a Christian, but you're like, i got some things that I'd like to figure out, that's where it's going to come out. We don't do too much Q&A here on Sunday morning. We try to focus on reading the Word, learning about the Word, and then honoring and worshiping God as a community, which is transformational. And so we gather because we believe that authentic worship changes lives. Like when you actually worship God and pour yourself out to him, it's just going to transform you from the inside. There's something about that, again, something about pouring out of yourself that actually changes you. So again, just like you want to experience and express grace, it's the same thing with God. When you experience his grace, you're just like, you become a worshiper. How many of you guys know, like, when you have a terrible week, I mean, you do some stuff that you know you shouldn't do, or make some terrible decisions, or, or there's all this stuff you should do that you choose not to. And then you spend some time with God and you repent and you say, God, I'm, I'm sorry, would you just give me, uh, would you forgive me, would you give me grace? Then that Sunday, when it's just a terrible week, you come to church and you've experienced that grace, your hands are just a little higher, aren't they? Your voice is just a little louder. You, you kneel a little bit lower because you have experienced grace. So we gather, we also group because we say this, life is just better together, isn't it? I love it. I started a new group in our house uh, this week, uh, just a group of young married people that we're meeting with every single week, loved hanging out with them, and we just, we do this because we think life is better together. It just is. You know, I could go live in some little house in the middle of Alaska, you know, I could just go out to the bush and do that, but I would be missing a huge part of what it means to be the incarnation, like God's hands and feet here in the world. So to live incarnationally means to, to gather with each other, to group together. The other thing we talk a lot about is giving or serving. Giving or serving, give of yourself, serving others. We talk about giving because, you know, as a God is, God is so generous to us, we believe that the church should lead the way in generosity. If you're ever in a room of people uh, and there's, there's an opportunity to be generous, the Christian should raise his hand first or her hand first. Whatever it may be, the, the, the Christ follower should be the first to be like, guys, you have no idea what's been given to me. I'm like, I'll be first. Let me, let me be the one. I love the people in my life that have modeled this for me. Like, the people in my life that, like, you go to dinner with my dad, and you're just not going to pay for dinner. You're just not. I mean, he will fight you 
for the bill. And, and he loves it, right? I mean, he has like games he plays with waitresses and he'll like hijack them when they're bringing the food in. And, you know, he'll be like, hey, just give me the, give me the bill. Give me the bill. Because he just models this. He's like, I'm the first to pay. That's what I do because I've been given so much. So I lead the way in generosity. You know, we serve because we're not just consumers, we're contributors. The grace of Jesus is so good. It's so good that it causes us to want to serve other people. So we gather, we group, we give, we serve, and then we, we go. We just go. We go into the neighborhoods. We go into the world, you know. We, we want to invite people to be a part of this community because we believe that we are on mission together, that there is a whole world of people that need to hear about Jesus. And, and so we want to invite people to be a part of the... And here's the cool thing. You do all this... And then as you go, you know what we're going to do? We're going to bring people in. They're going to gather. They're going to gather. The people that you don't even know, uh, you know, need Jesus are going to join us here. It's cool as you think about the life of Jesus. Like when he was being crucified, Paul was still killing Christians. And, and, and his life was transformed on this road. And his eyes were blinded and then opened to the goodness of God. And he became such an amazing leader for the early church. And so people that you think, that guy's never going to meet Jesus, right? That lady would never step foot in a church. Well, you know what? As you gather group, you give of yourself, you serve, and then as you go, those people are going to walk in these doors, or those people are going to come to your group, or you're going to serve them and change their oil or something. You're going you're to do something for them. And as they get here, you know what we're going to do? We're going to gather them. We're going to get them into a group. They're going to learn to give. They're going to learn to serve, and then they're going to go. And you know what that's called? That's called discipleship. That's a movement, isn't it? That, that's, that's the movement we see in the beginning of the church. And I, I really see this happening here in our church, in our community. As you, guys, as you guys catch this and you're like, oh, I see it. I want to be a part of it. Uh, it it's just going to be amazing. So in our, our, our last kind of few moments here, I want to walk through a quick parable. Jesus, throughout his life, he, he told these stories. They're called parables. And, and he told them to help people understand what the kingdom of God is like. They, they say, I think about 38 parables that Jesus tells throughout his ministry. And you know what the, the theme of all of them were? Pretty much most of them was the kingdom of God. He, he would start off with the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. And as I said last week, he uses those terms synonymously, both meaning God's reign and rule on earth as it is in heaven. So if you want to open up to Matthew 13, let me read this. It says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got in a boat and he sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. That's a growing church, isn't it? Like when you got to sit in a boat, you know, it's like, all right, y'all, the church is too full. I'm just going to like preach from the pickup bed on the parking lot. That's kind of fun, right? So the crowd grows. It says, and he told them many things in parables, saying, a sower went out to sow. There's somebody who's putting seed in the ground. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Some of you guys are like, 
what, right? What in the world is he talking about? And the people that heard this would have said the same thing. Many people, although they were in more of an agricultural culture, uh, they would have understood some of that, but Jesus told these stories for a few different reasons. One specifically was actually to kind of figure out who was really listening. Your parents ever do this? They start talking, and they're telling a story, and you're not really listening completely, and uh, you know, they figure it out halfway through because you don't respond right to what they're saying, and they're actually talking to you to try to figure out, are you actually listening? Like right now. How you doing? You actually listening? So, so Jesus does this. He tells these stories to figure out, like, who are the people that actually get the kingdom of God? Because if they get it, they're going to understand this story. It's kind of like, I bought this little, uh, this little Jeep, Jeep Liberty. And before I bought a Jeep Liberty, I didn't even know they really existed. But then when I bought one, I saw one everywhere. You guys, you know this? Like, you buy a certain car and you're like, I don't know, I see Honda Civics on every corner now. Before I didn't even know they existed. That's how it is with the kingdom of God. As soon as it gets into you, you start seeing it everywhere. You start hearing it in music. You start seeing it in the world around you. They're, they're, your eyes are open and you, you know, you're at a, at a grocery store and you see somebody drop something and somebody else just pick it up without even thinking and you're like, oh, there it is, you know? You, you see somebody at work, they work through something and they actually go over and they, they heal a broken relationship and you're like, oh, there it is. You start to notice it everywhere you look. Here's the cool thing. Jesus, in this particular parable, he explains it to us. And so I'm going to let Jesus preach what he preached to us. And he says this in verse 18. He says, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. She said the first type of sowing, the first type of seed of the kingdom of God are those sown along the path. And he says those ones were sown in these kind of, these hearts that didn't really dig deep roots into the word of God. So if you got your notes, write this down. Superficial faith will keep you out of the neighborhood superficial faith will keep you out of the neighborhood. Faith without roots is a faith that won't drive you into the neighborhood. You will live in neighborhoods, but you will never move in to the neighborhood as Jesus moved in to ours. And that's what superficial faith does. And it says literally like the seeds were snatched away, like they were taken away, like, like the devil came and he took those away because they didn't have deep roots. This is like when you're here and you're kind of disengaged. Like, you're here today, and you're like, yeah, I'm at church on Wednesday, I had my pork, <laughs> I had my meat, I got my coffee, and I just kind of want to get the kids and go home. And I get that. Maybe you had a long week already, and uh, maybe, you know, you fought with the husband or wife on the way to church, or, you know, you've got some kind of relational problem in your life, or whatever, and it's just, it's just causing you not to be fully engaged here. And so because of that, you're not really hearing the depth of these words, like, I don't know about you, but when I watch TV and they have all, like, those, those FEMA warnings that come on TV and it's like, mop, 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 mop. It's funny, I've been in rooms where people don't even, like, flinch, but I'm the guy every time that goes and turns up the TV. I'm always sure that a tsunami's coming and we're all going to die. So I go crank up and it's like, beep, beep. This is a test of the emergency broad, right? And I'm like, ah, oh, again, we're not going to die, right? I don't know why. It disappoints me every time, but, but I do it anyway. Because I'm like, I want to hear what's being said. Like, lives depend on what's being said right now. And he said, there are some people that, like, hear about the kingdom of God, and they're like, nah, I, I got a warm bed at home. It's calling my name, right? And they're just not really listening, and it's not getting into their souls. There's some people. 
Verse 20 says, And as for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately falls away. This is, this is a person, uh, write this down, enthusiasm is easier than action. This is your enthusiastic, emotional believer who's got their hands up in a worship service but leaves here completely unchanged. This is the person that, man, they're all fired up and they they can throw out verses and they can talk about Jesus. And when you talk to them, you're like, man, that's a really mature Christian. Look at all the cool Christian-y words that they used. But their hearts aren't actually transformed. They're really enthusiastic about God, but they're not actually changed from the inside out. It says that he actually kind of falls away. Other translations say this, uh, he falls apart, or he stumbles, or he falls. Uh, One translation says this, he's offended. Literally, this is the person who hears about what it means to actually follow Jesus beyond the emotion, beyond the moment, and they're literally offended by it. Maybe you've experienced this. Where when somebody talks about, okay, this means, this means that you're going to move into the wrong side of the tracks. This means that it's going to cost you something. You guys know this, that if the church grows and people give their lives to Jesus, you know what that means? Work. It means work. It means we got to show them what it means to follow Jesus. We've got to help them open the word of God. We've got we to build a you know, building to seat everybody. We've got to figure that stuff out. It means sacrifice. That's what it means And some people will hear that and be like, that offends me, sir. I don't like that. That's going to cost me something. This is the the type of person Jesus is speaking about in this moment. Offended, stumbling because of the truth. Verse 22, for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. Final thing I want you to write down is this. Moving in will demand space in your heart and life to love your neighbor. There's got to be space. This third type of person, they are listening to the word, but they're actually kind of distracted. This is the type of person when you're talking to them, they're always like this. Right? Yeah, tell me about how you've saved my life, Jesus. Tell me about how you came on to the wrong side of the tracks. Tell me what you've done. Hold on, right? right? You've talked to people like this and it drives you crazy, but this is the life of somebody who's distracted. And it says they were distracted by, essentially by worries, the things that worry them in wealth. They're distracted by the things that could go wrong and the potential in their life. All the things they want and all the things they hope don't go wrong. And those things keep them from fully being planted in Jesus, and letting the kingdom of God be planted in their hearts. So these are the different kind of people. I ask you today as, as we close, is this any of you? Which type of soil are you? The key to all of these is that the soil is the problem. The seed is never the problem. If you're like, well, why isn't there more heaven on earth? Why aren't things more right around me? You see, the seed's not the problem. The seed is here. Jesus came and he ushered in this new thing. He brought a little bit of heaven to earth. And that heavenly reality can actually invade our earthly existence here today. So the seed's not the problem. The soil is the problem. And as soon as you get the soil in your heart right, and as we talked last week, the soil is simply this. Am I seeking the kingdom of God first? 
Is the first thing in my life like, man, Jesus has done so much for me. I have experienced so much grace. And now I'm going to express it. Once you experience it, you express it. That's the soil. So if you're here today and you're like, man, I can't get traction in this area of my life. I'm, a, I'm an occasional churchgoer. Uh, you know, I got some messes over here that I'm not sure like how to fix. And I'm not sure I want to talk about. I want you to experience more grace this week. I want to close with this. I was out uh, dip netting. Anybody go dip netting this year? Yeah, lots of you go dip. That's so Alaska, right? I was out dip netting. And... Uh, we were out in the water, and the fish were kind of coming in, and, you know, as the, as the tide moves, people move with the water, and, you know, I'm the guy that always fills up his waders, because I get, I get out way too far, right? And so there's hundreds of people lined up out on the beach of the Kenai, and we're all talking, and a couple buddies are around me, and we're just chatting it up, and we got our nets over our shoulders, and we're just sitting there, you know, waiting on fish, not too much going on. And I look off in the distance, and I see, like, splashing way down there, Right? And I hear screaming, and I'm like, what's going on, right? And then I realize there's a woman who has, like, ventured out too far, and her, her feet have gotten stuck in the mud. And, and the water's, the, the tide's coming in, and, and she's just, like, stuck in the mud, and she's splashing around, and I'm watching this, and I'm like, I think that lady's stuck in the mud. And there's nobody around her. Like, everybody's just like me, fishing, right? Just fishing. And, and I'm like, somebody should help her, right? And I'm like, she's a long ways off. And I'm thinking, I, I'm going to have to like walk, I don't know, like a hundred yards, right? Down out of the water, and I'm going to have to walk up here, and, and people are kind of catching fish around me here and there, and I might miss on a fish. I mean, this just doesn't make logical sense, right? And she's like splashing around pretty good. Finally, some guy like throws down his net and he just jumps out and he grabs this lady. And it was like this one guy started this landslide. And then people around were like, I guess this is real. Like, I don't, it took so long for it to register in people's mind that like this woman's going to drown. Like we're going to fish and we're going to catch a dead body, right? Because this woman is going underneath the water and she's going to die. And so people start like throwing down their nets. And you guys know in that if you've ever done this, like you drop your net, you've probably lost your net, right? It's, and you can't really swim with the net. You can't really hold both. You got to like let go of it to go after the person. And so I see them and they're all like, and I'm still here, you know, over here, just hold my net. The entire time. This is not a great story about me. Most of them aren't. And so... They haul this woman out of the water and, you know, I see like this group of people and she gets on the beach and they're like, you know, taking care of her, making sure she doesn't have water in her lungs. I mean, she was in bad shape and this whole crowd's over there. And then like, I don't know, it, was, it wasn't very far and, and this whole hundreds of people with me, like we have not moved an inch. We're still fishing. And it just occurred to me like, what would it have taken for me to say, I'm going to go? Like, what would the circumstances, would she have to like totally go under? I mean, would she have to be under for like a little while? <laughs> like how long would it take for me to say, it's my job. Nobody else is going to do this. Like I am here today on the Kenai to go save that woman's life. Like God has planted me here with a purpose. And I just wonder for you, what would it take for you to go? It's interesting, Jesus comes to call his first disciples and he simply says this, drop your nets, come and follow me. And I'm going to make you what? Fishers of men. So just drop it, lose the catch, 
doesn't matter anyway. I've got everything you need. Come with me, and I'll make you fishers of men, and you will see lives changed. And there is nothing that you can acquire on this earth that is as valuable as somebody experiencing the gospel for the first time. Let me pray for us. God, thank you that somebody loved me enough to tell me about you. God, somebody loved you enough to tell me about you. God, would you plant that in our hearts today? For those of us who are followers of Jesus, who have encountered your grace, God, that that grace would flow from our fingertips. God, that we wouldn't serve to get you to love us, we would serve because you love us. That, God, next week, I want to pray as we go out into our city that this city would be changed. God, that people would see your grace in ways they've never seen it before. That people would see the church doing something that matters. God, more than anything, they would see you. And God, because they've experienced you, God, they would begin expressing you. God, and as they express you, they would begin to experience you in new ways. God, we pray there would be a movement that continues here in our church. We pray for the other churches in our city. God, that you would spring up within them people who have heaven written on their hearts and they can't help but share it with others. God, and these little pockets of, of heaven on earth would grow in our city and in our state. And God, we would just see lives changed for the gospel. Pray now as we worship, God, we'd worship from a place of gratitude as those, God, who, who don't deserve your grace, who have done nothing to earn your grace but have been given it. And God, that that would cause us to, to, to lift our hands a little higher, uh, to bow our knees a little lower, and to sing a little louder. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you.